So good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Open Door Church. Like Pastor Jeff said, my name is Jonathan Duke. I'm one of four elders. Uh, all churches, if they're biblical, are led by an elder, a group of men, and their qualifications are very, are very basic, and sometimes life can get chaotic, and they, they're, they're few and far between. Mainly availability is what's few and far between, but uh, anyway. And that's, so that's why I've been asked to, uh, to preach, uh, and I preach to you guys specifically out of the Word of God. And anytime I get a chance to preach, I want to spend at least two seconds making sure you understand that my job and Pastor Jeff's job and all the teachers here, whether you're a man or a woman and you teach in different classes, your job is simply to bring life from the Word of God, which is our only source of truth. There may be people who write great books about the Bible, and we should use those, but make sure you are teaching this, the, the simple and the clear meanings of Scripture and to not get cute with Scripture and to not use dates in weird ways or take a word and split it up that doesn't, it's not meant that way. Just, just teach it like you're teaching it to kids. And so this sermon is coming out of the Word of God. It's, I'm using the ESV translation. I'm using it in, in English. And so the church killed lots of people to make sure we would not have this in English. But God, how many guys know that God is bigger than even the church and has brought us the Word of God and preserved it through the power of the Holy Spirit? And he's given people like me and Pastor Jeff and even you guys a desire and a drive and a passion to want to share God, the God that you see in Scripture, to share that with other people so that they can experience the life and the freedom that you have experienced. Amen? And so that's what's going to happen this morning. And there's three parts to this sermon. There's what happened 3,900 years ago in the land of Egypt. And then there's something that happened 2,000 years ago in the land of Israel. So, so far this is all Jewish and Middle Eastern. And then there's something that, that I'm praying that will happen today in your hearts and your minds so that's the three parts of this sermon. And I'm going to pray and we're going to, we're going to begin this sermon. And just so you know, you guys can jump ahead of me. It's going to be, we're going to, the text is going to be the book of John, chapter 1. The book of John, chapter 1, verse 29, is going to be kind of the banner that flies over the sermon. Although the sermon will take place, the first third, in Exodus, chapter 12. So I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you that you reign as God whether I preach this well or not. That you, Holy Spirit, are absolutely mighty and sovereign to, to take whatever I'm able to offer here and to use it and to plant it in our hearts. Just like I was saved through the well-meaning teachings of all kind of people, whether they did a good job or not, you pieced all that stuff together and you brought me to life. And you freed me from the slavery of sin. And so, God, I'm asking that you would sovereignly do the same thing in, uh, in the hearts of all the hearers here and online and those who are going to listen in the future to this sermon, God. Please uh, let Jesus Christ be seen over this sermon. And not all the intense things we're about to experience about you and about your goodness. God, please get a hold of our hearts. And show us your wonderful love in your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I have an option here to use scripture. To use Apple. Or to use my printed piece of paper. And as I'm getting up here to get ready, I think we're going printed today. As I, as I also use the scripture. So the, the, the text is John chapter 1 verse 29 and it reads this. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the word of God. So what is this Passover? I'm not sure if any of you guys find that an odd word. What is this Passover? Well, that's exactly what we're going to experience right now. 
So 3,900 years ago, 39, I have a big chart in my, in my room. It makes a big circle, and it's the history of mankind, mainly with Scripture kind of in view. And so 3,900 years ago, in the land of Egypt, there was a pharaoh who ruled over this nation. But in this nation, there was another people group who lived there, and they had been living there for 400 years. And this is the people of Israel, the Israelites. This is the people of God. So how did they get there? Well, God made a promise to a man named Abraham. And he even included in this promise that his people would be enslaved for 400 years. So put that in the back of your brain, but that's not part of the sermon. Well, Abraham had sons, Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. This was all part of the fulfillment to Abraham, that you would have a great nation, and that, and that through you the whole world would be blessed through your seed. And so these 12, these 12 guys end up living in Egypt. You should go read that story in, in Genesis. It's an awesome story with Joseph. But there, there came a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph and didn't know Joseph's God. And the Israelites became too big, and he was freaking out. And so he enslaved them, and he, he began to burden them with things that they could not do. And this Pharaoh, this is an important detail, was the most powerful ruler of the most powerful kingdom in that entire region of the world. There was no man-made help that was going to come to save Israel from slavery to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, you need to understand, he answers to nobody. He doesn't answer to anybody, for those grammar people here. He answers to nobody. His will is what happens. Whenever somebody wants him to do something else, his will is what reigns supreme. He will not bow his knee to anybody. I'm not sure if any of you struggle with that in your own hearts, that if anybody comes with authority, like maybe God or somebody else, or God's word, you have a little bit of an allergy of bowing your knee because you will not bow to anyone except for number one. I know that's not anyone in here, but that's a common temptation of pride. So that's the, that's the stage. And so... We have a Pharaoh who is too powerful and you cannot do it through your own might, through your own ability. You cannot break your own slavery to Pharaoh. And you have the Israelites who are technically, literally, in every sense, totally enslaved to Pharaoh. And that's it. We're done with the sermon. It's a bad day. Sorry about that, 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 that way of ending it. No, God acts and he provides a deliverer named Moses like he would promise he doesn't send them as a triumphant entrance. He sends them as a baby. He preserves them in, in, in luxury. And then later, uh, Moses runs away. And then 80 years old, obviously he retires. And God doesn't use you at, at 80 years old, right? Isn't that the message we all believe? That if you're not a young, crazy person, or if you're not this or you're not that, God can't use you. Isn't that a temptation? No. At 80 years old, he was finally just right for God to start working in his life. So if you are retired, you're just about right for missions. You are just about right just to like throw off all the bondage of this culture and start preaching and loving in here, in Lafayette, don't leave like you've never done before. You are in a great place for God to use you. So 80 years old, he calls Moses and says, go back to your, uh, your play cousin, who no one can tell him what to do. And I want you to go and say, I said to tell him to let my people go. And Pharaoh, bow your knee to me and let my people go. You will do this. And Pharaoh says... No. The Bible says that Pharaoh hardens his heart against God. So God destroys him, right? He, he's done. How I many of y'all know the story? No, God has mercy on Pharaoh. Does this sound familiar? And he sends a plague to say, Pharaoh, I'm not playing around. Whenever I say to do something, it is for your good as well as the good of Israel. I'm not playing around. Let my people go. 
And the Bible says that in the next, that, at the first plague, Pharaoh hardens his own heart against God. Think of it like a room where Pharaoh is sitting in this room and God stands at the door and says, Pharaoh, come out of this room of rebellion and come into my submission. And Pharaoh says, no, he hardens his heart. Another plague, no. Another plague, Pharaoh, obey me, yield to my will, no. And then the judgment, God closes the door on Pharaoh and God is the one, the word says, God hardens his heart. And now Pharaoh cannot soften his heart. Did you see God's goodness in that? He works with Pharaoh, repent, repent, repent. He sends a messenger, would not repent. So now the, the, the stage is set. The deliverer is here. And then God makes this promise. In Exodus chapter 6, he says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you up out, of, out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And with a great act of judgment, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. So that's God's promise. So now the stage is set, and he sends him to go do this. And remember what Pharaoh does, he says no, and he hardens his heart. And so now God says what's going to happen now that Pharaoh's heart is hardened, so nothing's going to change here, he now is about to lay down the law of what judgment's going to come. What are the wages of sin? What are the wages of sin to Pharaoh? And we're about to see right now. Exodus chapter 11, verses 4 to 10, it says this. So Moses said, thus says the Lord. Exodus chapter 11, 4 to 10. About midnight, I will go out in the midst of Egypt. The Lord is saying that he'll do this. And every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle, there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor there shall ever be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel. Neither man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And I'm going to move on from there. God is going to, God then sends these, the, the tenth plague. And that's the tenth plague we know that's coming. And in his holiness and in his justice, God judges Egypt and promises death for rebellion against him. Remember that. Remember the theme of, of a hardened heart. That we are hardening. Remember that theme. Remember the theme of slavery to something. Remember the theme of a promised consequence and judgment for rebellion. But brothers and sisters, please do not forget this next thing. Because what we're here to hear about is we're here, here about the Passover. And we haven't talked about that yet. This, we've only set the stage for there to need to be a Passover. In his holiness and justice, God judges Egypt and promises death for rebellion. But listen to this. In his great love, God promises a way of salvation for those who would receive it, for all who would only receive it. In his great love, God promises a way of salvation for those who receive it. And now God establishes the Passover. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. I'm going to jump around quite fast. So whoever has the little buttons back there, you're about to earn the moolah. In verse 3, he says this, Tell all the congregation of Israel, this is God speaking, 
that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb. If you have that graphic and you put the lamb on the, on the, on the, on the screen, make sure you're reading your Bibles because this may get a little, a little intense. You may take a lamb according to the father's house, a lamb for the household. Skip down to verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male and a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lamb at twilight. Verse 7. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house in which they eat. And God gives very detailed instructions now about what you need to like dress like this, you need to like wear the, this kind of thing, prepare this, prepare that. Verse 11, in this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Listen to this. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I, this is God, I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Please read this. And the blood shall be a sign to you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, brothers and sisters, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. In his great Love, God promises a way of salvation for those, for all who would receive it. I want you to see this. This should be very familiar to you. There is sin and rebellion happening now in the story. And there is death that is promised by God for that sin and rebellion at the hand of God himself. Don't forget that. God communicates that clearly to the people who are in rebellion. Does this sound familiar? And then God himself makes a way of salvation through the blood of a precious male lamb. And he communicates this way to the messengers. Does that sound familiar? And that's not the end of the story, brothers and sisters, because if he just did all the work to get the message down to earth, we're still all damned. Listen to the rest of what happens next. I want to make this point too. When God makes this salvation, it is not based on their ability to, to rise up and to start a new nation uh, independent of, I'm just joking. God, he does not make it contingent on them fighting against Egypt. What would have happened? They would have been destroyed. He doesn't make their salvation tied to the fact that they're Jews. Like if you're a Jew, you can be saved. And if you're not a Jew, you know, if you're not an Israelite, you, you know, you're not, you can't get saved. That has nothing to do with this salvation. It doesn't matter how poor you are either because the, the rich are about to die as well as the poor. It doesn't matter how good you are or bad you are. It's based on what? This salvation, brothers and sisters, is based on the blood of a precious lamb, on the blood of a slain lamb. And not just based on that, though. Listen, to, watch this. So God comes, makes a way, and God makes sure he communicates it to the messenger. Read verse 12, 21, 23. Then Moses calls all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select a lamb for yourself according to the clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lentils and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. Listen, listen. 
None of you shall go out of the door of this house until morning. For the, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. The messenger gets the message out. The messengers get the message out. Does this sound familiar? This is us. We are the messengers. So now let's see what happens. Now everyone's saved, right? Wrong. That's not how the gospel works. Just because God has done all the work, just because there's a, there's a lamb available, just because the preachers have preached in the Old Testament, they're not saved yet. What has to happen? Well, listen to this. In verse 28, Then the people of Israel went and did so. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So the people, they go and do it. The people obey. You see the people believing God because we see them trusting him. And this trust shows up in obedience. The people do it. They trust God. And look, you can see their, 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 their trust, right? They go and they take a lamb. They select a very special lamb. He can't have anything wrong with it. And like Gary was saying earlier, they probably had to plant. Well, not, well for the first one, they couldn't plant it. They just had to go get their best lamb that they were really hoping they could use for a different occasion. And they get that baby lamb. Is that image on there? Could you put that up there? They get this precious lamb and they bring it into their home for actually a certain time. And you have to keep it. And then the dad of the house grabs that lamb and he doesn't want to kill it. But you know who that dad looks at next? He looks at his firstborn child. And it's either going to, his sin is either going to cost the life of that firstborn or he's going to have to trust in the slaughtered death and blood of this precious lamb. And so he slits the lamb of that the throat of the lamb, and it bleeds out and it collects the blood in a basin. And everyone is probably in shock, and everyone's probably grieving over that this, this is ridiculous. And he's probably shaking. If you've ever had to kill an animal like we, we do during our survival courses, it's, it's traumatic, especially the way I used to do it. And it's, it's not fun. No one's, like, no one's excited about it. And you're, just, you're somber, and you take the lamb, it's, the blood is probably still warm. It was your best animal. It meant something to your family. But you're looking at your firstborn and there's no way you're going to trade the life of your firstborn for the life of even a precious lamb. And you paint your door with it. But man, you're hoping God keeps his promises. Man, you're hoping the blood is enough. And you're painting the door. But there's other door frames in Egypt that are not being painted with the blood of the lamb. And that's the door frames of the Egyptians because to each his own. You know, Jesus is good enough for you. And I'm all about that. But, uh, you know, I got, I, got my, I got my politics. That makes me feel right. I'm not them. I'm not them. I go to this church. I have the church to trust in. Just watch the news to see how much you can trust in the church, by the way. I can trust in, my, I can trust in the universe. I can trust in this religion and that religion. It's okay. There were some doorposts in Egypt that the doors were left naked because they're trusting in the gods of Egypt. And they dip it in there and they paint the door on the, on the thing. And then they go inside the house. They go inside the house. They take shelter under the blood of this precious lamb. But there's houses where the door's not painted. But listen to what happens next. Is God playing around? Young people, listen to me. Is God playing around? Y'all haven't gotten married yet? You haven't messed your lives up to yet? Older people, yeah, we, we know what we've done. There's still more to life. Is God playing around with his promises of blessings? Is God playing around with his promises of judgment on your life? 
Is God playing around with what's going to happen to those who are trusting? And maybe a false Christianity that we preached because we were maybe too scared to preach the awkward message. How awkward was Moses' message to his playmate? Let him go or you're going to die, brother. Or if you go to the Israelites and say, hey, I need you all to listen up. It's awkward. You need to slaughter this lamb and paint your house with it. Do you you understand how inappropriate God's message is for your culture? It's never going to be cool. Do not be found on the right side of history. Be found on the right side of God. Amen? And so God's just playing around. I'm not painting my house. Well, let's see if God's playing around tonight and this morning. At midnight, it says, The Lord struck down all the firstborn land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn of the captive who sits in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock, Goodness gracious. Moses rose up in the in night, and all his servants and all of the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Go up from among the people, and you, guide the, you and the people of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have said, and take your flock and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and, blessed, and bless me also. So this is what happens. God's playing around. God's playing around. I'm a little kid. I can, I, can, I can disobey my mom and dad. It doesn't matter. That's not sin. You know, you're not born in sin. I mean, come on. You're not sinful until you're 19, for goodness sakes. I can, I, can, uh, I can do this and do that. I can choose who I date and marry. Come on. I'll, be, I'll follow Christ later on. It's not really that big of a deal. Brothers and sisters, read your Bibles. God's not playing around with his goodness. It's for real. And God's not playing around with his judgment. It's also for real. And God comes to the first doorpost of the house of Egypt, whether it was the dungeon, whether it was the slave house, or whether it was the palace. And he looks at the door and he sees self-assurance. He sees, he sees I'm number one on the door. He doesn't see the blood of the lamb. And while they're tucking their oldest kid in, the oldest kid stops breathing and dies at the hand of God himself because the wages of sin is death and God is not playing around. And they're free freak out. And he moves on to the next one, and he looks for the blood. He doesn't see the blood, and you start hearing screaming in that house. And he goes to the next, and the next, and the next. God is not playing around. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you don't get this message to your, to your American friends who think there are other ways, you don't necessarily need Jesus, he's not playing around, brothers and sisters. But he's also not playing around with this next part, because then he comes to this next neighborhood. And he walks near, and the moonlight is out. And something catches the eye of God as he passes near this door frame. And it's, it's a glimmer. It's something was wet on this door frame. And he looks and there's something red on this door frame. And he sees and it's red because it's red from the blood of a precious lamb. And you know, you Christians, you know what the Father is remember or thinking of in the future. You know what kind of blood the Father is picturing in his mind. And what lamb was slaughtered in the future for the salvation. It's his precious son. And he sees that blood, and you know what's happening in the heart of that father. And his heart is totally satisfied in the future of what's going to happen. He sees the blood, and they're in the house. They're all dressed up. They're eating all kind of bitter things in the house. They don't know what's going on, and little do they know is that God is standing there in judgment outside their door. But he passes over them. This is the Passover. You can see the candlelight coming out from under the door, and they're just joking. They're in the house. They probably weren't joking around. They probably were freaking out. They don't know that when God saves, he really saves. They don't know that the blood of the lamb really covers. And he moves on to the next house, and he sees the blood in that home. And he knows what that blood means. He moves on to the next and the next. And with a great outstretched arm, and with a great act of of judgment, God delivers. 
And it was through that that God destroys the will of Pharaoh and he is broken. And he says, get out of here. He sends the Israelites away and they're delivered. So that is the Passover through the blood of the Lamb. But brothers and sisters, that doesn't mean anything to us, does it? Well, just know this. God told them to remember that. Celebrate the Passover. So for 1,900 years after that happening, they every year would celebrate this. But brothers and sisters, for 1,900 years and years before that and years after, whether they know it or not, they need a legit Passover. They need for someone to send the Passover lamb because whether they knew it or not, they are both Pharaoh and they are both Israel. All humans throughout all of history are both Pharaoh and, both, and they are both Israel. Listen to this. Romans chapter 1, you can not turn there, whatever you want. 21 to 25, it says this. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for, for images resembling, resembling mortal man and birds, animals, creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, or my truth, as our prophets and our cultures say, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. We are all in rebellion against God like, like Pharaoh. But we're all also like the people of Israel. We're enslaved to sin. It's Jesus himself. So if you want to buck against this, go ahead and be like Pharaoh and rebel against God. Here's the word of God Almighty. Jesus answered and said, truly, truly, I say to you, John chapter 8, verse 34. John chapter 8, verse 34. I say to you, everyone who practices sin is slave to sin or dudamas, or whatever the, uh, the bondservant idea. You don't have a will that you can just do whatever you want to do so you can choose God or not. You're done. You're a slave to sin. This is, we are like the Israelites. You can, you can use your will. You have a free will, but it's within the confines of your master's sin. You cannot worship God appropriately. You're enslaved like the Israelites. So you need a dramatic deliverance. But don't you also need a, a softened heart? You need the heart of stone to be, to be swapped out with the heart of flesh, brothers and sisters. It says this in Romans chapter 6. At the end of the verse in chapter 6, it says, So that we are no longer enslaved to sin. So we are enslaved to sin. So there's a great need for a new Passover, a great Passover. A Passover where all of mankind can be saved by God. So who will save us? 1,900 years of dying and living, and dying, and bondage, and dying, and rebellion, 1,900 years of sacrifices, and just groping, needing salvation. And then one day there's a man named John the Baptist who also doesn't have the right clothes on either. He looks a little dirty. He wouldn't fit in church at all. Make sure that's understood. And he's out there smelling bad, eating like a Cajun, and dressing like, like, a, like a bushcraft guy. And he's baptizing a baptism of repentance in desperate need for there to be a Passover lamb. And he's baptizing repentance. And he can't, they're like, are you the Messiah? He's like, no, but there's got to be one coming. And he's baptizing. And he's soaking wet. And he's exhausted. He didn't have any friends because he's saying the wrong things. And this man comes walking down the road in the distance, brothers and sisters. And he looks up and he sees this figure in the distance. And he recognizes who has finally been sent. 
Finally, God has sent him. And he cries out, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Brothers and sisters, God loved the world like so that he sent, he didn't demand your oldest child, he sent his only child to stand in the place. And so Jesus comes like the first deliverer, Moses, as a baby. But he doesn't grow up in a palace. He grows up in, in, in the ghettos, in the, in, the, in the most rejected areas ever. And he's raised there. No one likes him. But he lives the life of a blemishless person before God. He acquires the status of a blemishless, perfect person before God. He lives a life that the world should have been living. While instead all people were in our rebellion like Pharaoh and in our slavery like Israel, Jesus is blemishless before God. But don't miss this. God didn't just send Jesus. Jesus willingly, consciously, and strategically came. And he came, lived a life, and then during the Passover, the people of Israel slaughter the Passover lamb. And that's what you guys are going to see in the next couple of days. That 2,000 years from, from now, Israel took, whether they knew it or not, the Passover lamb. And they, they took this lamb and they slaughtered him. And they hung him up on a cross, which is where he was slaughtered. And there was another blood that was draining down a cross. It was the blood of the precious lamb of God. It was the firstborn, the only begotten, actually, son of God himself, flowing down that cross. And God the Father loved the world by sending his son his own firstborn son, the Passover lamb. And Jesus willingly comes to us in love of his father to glorify his father. And Jesus descends and come to us to love us by offering himself as the Passover lamb. Jesus, the Passover lamb, lived that perfect life. Jesus, the Passover lamb, offers himself to the people and that wooden cross is stained by the blood of that precious lamb. And God comes and makes a way of salvation that is not based on righteousness, but it is based on the blood, the precious blood of the Passover lamb. It's based on the perfect, blemishless life of Jesus, the firstborn son of God. Mankind can now be saved, brothers and sisters. They can now be saved through the blood of Jesus. They can be saved through the blood of that Passover lamb of God by believing in him. By just simply coming under that blood. By taking shelter in the house that God has made. The house that God has purchased with the blood of his own precious son. You can come under the sacrifice of the sin against the God. And if you don't believe me, this is coming from John chapter 3 verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world. The actual translation is for God loved the world like so. That he gave his only son. Your sin and rebellion wasn't going to cost you this life of your precious son. It was going to cost you your own life. But instead of having to pay up the life of your son on an altar, God provided his own son. That whoever would just believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. But in order that the world might be saved through him. And get this. Did you hear the sequence again? God pays it all. God provides the precious Passover lamb, his own son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the deliverer like Moses, instead of prescribing another lamb, this time the new Moses, Jesus, provides himself to be hung up on the cross and for his blood to be painted over the cross. And then that message gets put into the mouths of people 
by the preservation of a canonized word of God and made into English by the blood of the martyrs. And that message is given to all of you. And some of you in this room have received it. Some of you are sheltering under the blood of the Lamb, not under your Baptist traditions, not under the fact that I didn't have sex or that I I don't do drugs. You're not sheltering under that. You might rejoice in it, but you know you were gifted that and God could ungift it. But you know that the real gift is your salvation. The real gift is God's work on that cross. And you know that your faith was just you simply embracing that work instead of yours. Putting all the eggs, like we were quoting, in the basket of Jesus Christ. Giving a little nod to Easter coming up. But look, the third thing. You're now the messengers. You go and tell now. So that just like you were saved, your loved ones can be saved. And you know, while you're telling it, one of the most powerful ways that you communicate it is through your, your love that you do. The way that you sacrifice yourself for those around you. You get the message out. So in closing, what about you this morning? What about you this morning? The Bible, not mean Baptist preachers, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 that we are all like Pharaoh in total rebellion against God. It tells us that we cannot even please God. You're not going to be able to do enough because whatever you do is going to be out of a sin, out of a heart that is not resting in Jesus. So you're You're in a bad spot. It says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus once again tells us in Romans 8 that you're a slave to sin. He says whoever, anyone who practices sin is slave to sin. So you are Pharaoh, brothers and sisters, outside of Christ. You're in rebellion. You have a hardened heart. You You are Israel. You're totally saved to sin. But that's not the entire gospel. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. God's not playing around. Do you understand that? The wages of your sin right now, if you're depending on your you're being religious, you're going to hell. And God is standing in that door and he is knocking. And he is pleading with you to stop trusting in my truth. Stop thinking you're good Not because of Jesus' work, but I'm good because I'm not a liberal or I'm not a conservative or I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not that color, I'm not some white male, or I'm not this other ethnicity, I'm not, I'm not a Muslim. You're going to hell if you think that. God is not playing around. You dress, y'all are dressed correctly, but you're going to hell. God's gonna send you there if you do not heed his love. He is coming after you with this weird, ridiculous sermon right now. And you're like Pharaoh. He's at the door saying, get out of there. Get out of that place of hard-heartedness. You can still flee. Listen to this. I didn't make that up. I didn't even know this was in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 says this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. So brothers and sisters... God has provided the Passover lamb, like we saw in John chapter 1. And all who enter into God's forgiveness and love enter through the blood-stained cross. One of the most precious symbols that we have erected in churches is this symbol right here, the torture symbol. Because it's our personal little remembrance of the Passover, that God took his own precious son and put him on the cross. Because one day, brothers and sisters, All mankind will stand before God. 
And just like Pharaoh, even if you're in rebellion, you will bow your knee. And you will say that Jesus is Lord. But listen to this. We will all be standing there at the judgment seat. And God will look at the hearts. And he's going to come to the first heart. And he'll look at it. And all he has on the heart is conservative. All he has is Democrat liberal. All you have is my truth. But he's not seen the blood. Because look, guys, Christians have those same sins painted on their hearts too. It's just that their hearts are covered by the blood of the precious lamb. And he's going to look at that heart and it's going to be just their own things, their own name written on that heart. And God himself is going to give the order to cast them into hell. They won't choose hell. They're going to be sent to the everlasting torment. And he goes to the next heart. And they have on there a Muslim. Next heart, they have on there a, 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 a religious church Baptist person, but there's no blood. Be damned. The next person, but then he's going to come to y'all's hearts, some of y'all in here. And you may be thinking you're not good enough. I, haven't, I didn't dress good enough for church. I don't, I don't have enough kids. I have too many kids. I send my kids to public school. I send them to private school. I'm a bad parent. I'm a, I'm a youth. I'm a young adult. I'm supposed to be married and have kids now. I'm supposed to be single because that's the culture says. that if you're, not, if, you're, uh, if you're not single, if you don't have a career, you're not doing a good job. I'm not sure if I'm doing good enough. I didn't do missions. when I, I went to college instead of missions. I didn't lead anybody to God. I didn't teach a kids ministry. All I did was go to work, come home, submit to my husband. All I did was go to work, come home, love my wife, raise my kids. That's all I did. And I trusted in Jesus. But I, I didn't do all the point things. And you're standing there before God and you're trembling. You're trembling. And then he comes to you. And he looks at that heart. And he sees a glimmer. He sees something that, that's reflecting light off that heart. Something kind of that, that's oily, but it's, but it's red. It's red that's covering that heart. And he knows what that is. That is the blood of his precious son that he sacrificed for your salvation. And when he sees the blood of the lamb, the precious blood of the Passover, the, the blemishless lamb, he sees the blood of his precious son. He's going to walk past that heart. He's going to walk past that heart because he has made you his people. And he is your God when he saved you from sin. And brothers and sisters, that's you this morning. If, if, if you have received Jesus Christ. And today can be the day of your salvation. Today can be the day of your salvation. If right now you know and you realize through this preaching of this ridiculous bearded bald man that you are Pharaoh and you do think that my, I have a truth, which is awesomely ridiculous. You do know that you've been saying, yeah, I'll follow God some, but I'm going to pick and choose what the Bible says about the character of God. Christians aren't able to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to not forgive some of my family, but I'm a Christian. You've uh, you got no evidence. That's all I'll say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do Christian, but I went to the, the Laotian New Year, and there was a, there was a lady there who, was, who both goes to, to, a, to a Christian church, but she also does, does a Hinduism because it's like an add-on. She's damned right now. Well, and She may be saved by now, but it's not enough. If that's you this morning and you know that God has shown you, the Holy Spirit has just said and shown you you're sinful before God, that you're enslaved to sin, you can't get yourself out, and that's not the plan anyway. If you know that God has paid the entire price for you, that he paid his own son, Jesus Christ, and you realize that that is a total payment, and you know that all you have to do is receive that gift, all you have to do is come shelter under Jesus. When somebody asks, what, what makes you so right? You say, nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
If you know that intellectually, there's another thing that you get to do. You get to receive it by right now trusting in Jesus Christ. By right now praying to God and saying, God, I am a sinner. Please forgive me my sins. Jesus, cover me with your precious blood. God, I depend totally on you right now in my life. I do not depend, even right now, Christians, I don't depend on Jesus. I don't depend on my stuff. I still commit sins, and I even do wonderful things that I couldn't do before, but I still don't depend on that. And right now, if you're not a Christian, you can pray and say, God, save me like Israel. Free me from my sin under the blood of your precious son, Jesus Christ. Let us pray right now. If you're not a Christian, but you got, that the Holy Spirit has been uh, pulling on you today, if you hear his voice, do not harden his heart as in the rebellion. Father God, you are awesome. You are absolutely awesome. You didn't just harden Pharaoh's heart like some mean person. You pled with him. You did all kinds of things to give him a chance to repent. And you do the same thing with us. You are so patient. I would even say sometimes you're too patient. But I'm not God. And I'm so glad that, that you don't do things my way. You give us so much time to repent. And you draw us into repentance through your goodness, like plagues, like you did with Pharaoh. Or you, you draw us into repentance by sending us a Christian to love on us. Man, God, we have sinned so badly against you. And this is the sin that we, we have not honored you. And right now, pray, people, if you're not a Christian. And say, God, please forgive me. Please make me your people. Please be my God. And if you don't even understand all this, this is how you're supposed to pray. God, help me understand all this. Show me what Jesus, who Jesus really is. Show me who I really am before you. And, and help me understand faith. Help me know what it's like to put trust into somebody. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Thank you, God, that I get to pray for something so audacious as the opening of a blind eye and something so bold as the softening of a hardened heart. And Christians in this room, you need to pray this. God, thank you for coming after me. Thank you for saving me from slavery and sending the deliverer, Jesus. Thank you for, for, for um, giving me that gift of faith. But thank you most of all for taking my hard heart, the heart of stone, and giving me the heart of flesh. Thank you for taking my spirit and replacing it with your spirit. Man, you've done such a work. Thank you for providing the precious, costly blood of your own son. Jesus, thank you for humiliating yourself and dying at the hands of us and dying at the hands of my sin and having your blood stain that cross instead of my blood. Jesus, thank you for that Passover. And thank you that you've made a way that all I have to do is just shelter in it. It's just shelter in you. I don't have to work and go to this church and do penance or, or wear the clothes or, or make myself feel bad or go do missions in order to be right. I just, I just get to rest. I just get to have this Sabbath all the time. And just chill out in Jesus Christ. 
You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. I'm going to close just with this. If you're a Christian this morning and you haven't been baptized, the next step of obedience and the next imagery in your life is, is baptism. But that's just the start of a life, a radical, normal life following Jesus and doing, responding to the call of the Holy Spirit in your life, like to, to pray for this person or sell all that you have and move, move on missions or respect your boss or be tender with your wife this time or honor your husband in public even when he's not around. You get, to, you get to live your whole life inside of the kingdom now, inside eternal life, and this is it. You get to live your life being a Moses and going and tell the wonderful salvation of God and to tell the rebellious to come into his, God's goodness. Amen? Amen. Amen.